in our continuing series on AIDS, the politics of death. We are privileged to have with us as a guest also Dr. Lorraine Day. Uh, Dr. Lorraine Day has written extensively on the subject of AIDS. She is uh, recognized as um, one of the foremost experts on the subject in the United States. If you are looking to hear the typical media line that you hear with the uh, uh, good folks on the uh, Monopoly Network Evening News, probably you're going to be disappointed because instead of telling you that, we are going to tell you the truth instead. Dr. Lorraine Day, we appreciate you taking time out of uh, uh, your busy schedule to spend a few minutes with us here and talk about um, this unpleasant but absolutely crucial subject of AIDS. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate so much the work that you have done and the writings that you have compiled. In the earlier portion of this tape series, we talked with a friend of yours, Gene Antonio. Yes. Uh, we discussed a, a lot of information, and he asked me to pass along greetings to you, which I am uh, now doing. Well, thank you very much. Gene speaks very highly of you. He recognizes you as uh, one of the leading experts on the truth about AIDS as opposed to uh, the government's line on AIDS. Let's start with the same question that I began uh, uh, our discussion with Gene Antonio. Is there, in fact, an AIDS epidemic? Well, yes, and that's not even uh, <clears throat> protested by the Centers for Disease Control. Centers for Disease Control, of course, is uh, part of the public health department of the government and is considered the mecca for AIDS information for the world. And they admit that there definitely is an AIDS epidemic. How many people, uh, Dr. Day, have uh, the HIV or HIV positive in the United States? Any guesstimates? Well, the Centers for Disease Control has said for the past uh, almost five years that there are a million people infected in America. Now, when that number doesn't change, there's something very suspicious because you can't have just a million and have uh, more and more people becoming infected and yet the number stays at one million. Even when Magic Johnson came out and admitted publicly he was infected, the number did not go to a million and one. It always stays at a million. The truth is that the Centers for Disease Control really has no idea how many people are infected in this country because the only way you'd find out is to do massive across-the-board testing uh, of individuals, and that is really what should be done because you can't get any disease under control unless you know who is infected. Better estimates on the number infected come from a book called The Day America Told the Truth, which was uh, published by the J. Walter Thompson uh, group, and it's available in bookstores. They asked uh, a, a number of people, a signif statistically significant population across the country, anonymously a number of marketing questions. And one of the questions was, do you know or are you highly at risk for being infected? Uh, and approximately 7 to 9 million extrapolated figures said that they, it was highly likely they were infected. So the numbers, if you ask the people directly, are much higher than the Centers for Disease Control is estimating. 7 to 9 million people figure that they are either dramatically at risk or already infected with right. the... 7 to 9 million? Yes. We're, we're talking about... Uh... We're talking about revelation type of, of academic, uh, epidemic proportions here. We're, 
We're talking about a third of the people and that sort of thing being wiped out by, by this virus. Well, 7 to 9 million out of 250 million is, is not a third, but certainly much higher than the Centers for Disease Control estimates. Um, the Hudson Institute, a think tank on the east, in the east, uh, estimated in 1989 that if the government didn't do something dramatic at that time uh, to get the AIDS epidemic under control, which they did not and still are not doing, they estimated that by the year 2000 there would be 14 million people infected with HIV in the United States alone. And the number of 7 to 9 million now plays into that uh, 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 objective figure of 14 million in the year 2000. But if Dr. Day is spreading at that kind of an alarming pace, uh, what's it going to be by, by 2005, 2010, if, if uh, this world is still here in the form we know it? Well, there is no cure for this disease, and there is no vaccine uh, through orthodox medical channels anyway. And the government keeps telling everybody that if they're not a high-risk uh, uh, homosexual practicing unsafe promiscuous sex and if they're not a drug addict that, that the population is not at risk this is not true the population is at risk in fact out of the 250,000 people dead or dying of AIDS 17,000 of those people have no risk factors which means they did not get it the four ways the government says is the only way you can get this disease such as through homosexual or heterosexual promiscuous sex, through drug addicts sharing needles, through transfusion, or from mother to child at birth. So the Centers for Disease Control publishes these figures of 17,000 people with no risk factors. Now, the way they, they explain those away is they say that 8,000 of them uh, are still under investigation, but they never seem to complete those investigations. They say a 1,000 of those... Uh, 17,000 died before they could be uh, additionally investigated after the first investigation. And then they say they have reclassified another 8,000 of those people, leaving only 600 people with full-blown AIDS with no risk factors. Well, first of all, even if we accepted those figures, 600 people in this country with full-blown AIDS with no risk factors, you have to say these people got it some other way. Included, not included in that figure is another figure of 85 children in this country. The CDC admits these 85 children have full-blown AIDS and no risk factors. Their parents, neither of their parents have AIDS. They never had a blood transfusion. They've never been sexually molested. They have none of the risk factors. Of the other uh, 8,000 uh, that they say they've reclassified, the Centers for Disease Control has written an article in a journal called the uh, Pediatric uh, Journal of Infectious Diseases uh, showing that they are fraudulently reclassifying these people. They're trying to put them into regular risk groups. And I'll give you an example. There were 26 children in this group with no risk factors. Their mothers were HIV negative. But because some of the mothers were drug addicts, they say, well, that's a risk factor. And so the children have a risk factor. Well, I don't care if the mother is a drug addict. If she does not have HIV infection or AIDS, there's no way she can give that disease to her child, even if she's a drug addict. And so they're saying because the mother's a drug addict, that's how the child got AIDS. That is absolutely fraudulent reclassification, and that's what the CDC is doing. They're lying to the public. Why? What's the motive? Well, there are several motives. One is they uh, always do not want to tell the public 
uh, bad news. First of all, they want the public to feel that everything is under control, that there are only four ways you can get this disease. If they admit that there are other ways you can get this disease, first of all, the people will say, why aren't you telling us the other ways, and why haven't you told us all along, and why aren't you investigating it? They don't want to get that sort of, sort of questioning from the public. And Dr. Robert Gallo, uh, who uh, is a, a major AIDS researcher for the National Institutes of Health, a government research agency, was interviewed by Science Magazine in 1985, and he was asked uh, the following question, Dr. Gallo, what would you do if you concluded that a very large portion of the American population would die from AIDS? And his answer was, well, I certainly would not tell the public because it would just cause panic. And why cause panic when there's nothing you can do to stop the dying? But, of course, there's everything the government can do to stop the dying. They just won't do it because they have uh, uh, given in to the intimidation of the homosexual activists. This is the first contagious disease that exploded in a special interest group, in the homosexuals. They were very organized before AIDS came into being, and so they were very effective at getting a lot of legislation passed before the public knew what was going on, and the legislation protects their confidentiality so they don't have to tell anybody they've got this uh, fatal disease. And they are, the, the legislation abandons the general uninfected public, gives them no protection at, at all from uh, contracting this disease. So the public health department was set up to track and control contagious diseases and to protect the uninfected. That is their charge. And yet they have turned it around for this one disease. They have chosen to protect the infected and abandon the uninfected. Dr. Day, you were... Um... Uh, chief of Surgery where? I was Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at San Francisco General Hospital for many years. I spent my whole career, 15 years, at San Francisco General Hospital. I was also Associate Professor and Vice Chairman of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. I was a member of the AIDS Committee of the University of California, San Francisco Medical School, and I was a member of the AIDS Committee of San Francisco General Hospital. I continued to be a member of the AIDS Task Force of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, and I have been an expert witness in many AIDS uh, cases in court, uh, declared an expert witness by the court, and I have also been a consultant for the Centers for Disease Control three times, where they have asked me to be a consultant for them. I have always been a very establishment physician. I have never been on the fringe of anything. And in fact, I also have operated on as many AIDS patients as any surgeon in the country. So I have a special interest in this disease, and I have those qualifications. I, I bring that out for our listeners because I think it's important for them to know that, that uh, you are a very knowledgeable, very well-qualified person. This is not something that you're doing as a lark. This is... This is uh, not something that has probably enhanced your career, correct? No, that's right. I would li rather be doing a lot of other things. I became involved in the AIDS issue uh, heavily on October 2, 1987, at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's when it all started, because up until that time, I, I happened to be an orthopedic trauma surgeon. San Francisco General Hospital is the only trauma hospital in San Francisco, and for my whole career, I've been taking care of people who've been shot multiple times, who've been stabbed, who've been hacked up with uh, hacksaws and hatchets, who've been run over by motor vehicles, who've been thrown or jumped out of uh, high buildings. 
Uh, and when we take care of these patients, they're bleeding from all sorts of wounds all over their body. We as trauma surgeons are covered with blood. There's so much blood on the floor in the operating room from these patients bleeding that the nurses have to throw one sheet after another down under our feet to keep us from slipping and sliding all over the operating room. There would be blood all over my feet, circumferentially up to my knees. Every time I would leave the operating room, there was blood splattered all over our faces. There was blood all the way through our gowns, onto our underwear and abdominal skin. This is the way a trauma surgeon has been operating for years. We also get stuck frequently when we operate. Orthopedic surgeons, bone surgeons, are the carpenters of surgery. We uh, are working with uh, splintered, sharp fragments of bone with high-speed power instruments to cut and saw on bone and hammers and nails and screws to put the bones back together again. So we get stuck or cut frequently when we operate. It's not because we're clumsy. It's the nature of the work. Uh, I went to the so-called experts, the infectious disease doctors, who get all of their information. They just swallow it hook, line, and sinker from the Centers for Disease Control. And I said, this seems dangerous. If drug addicts can a get AIDS from, from needles, we're getting stuck with needles when we're sewing and cutting on patients. And I said, this seems dangerous. And they assured me over and over again for years that we as uh, healthcare workers could not get AIDS from a needle stick. They said drug addicts inject blood and that the, the amount of blood on a single needle stick in the operating room would not be enough to give any healthcare worker AIDS. Well, on October 2, 1987, at 10 o'clock in the morning, these very same people who absolutely had been my colleagues and friends for all these years, I'd been to their houses for dinner, I saw them every day in the hallways, I worked with them regularly, they had to admit to me that, in fact, a woman nurse at our hospital who had previously tested negative for HIV in a healthcare worker study had a, had a single witness needle stick and now was positive and would die from AIDS. And I sat there absolutely stunned, and I said, you told me this couldn't happen. And they immediately started to backtrack, and they said, we didn't really say it couldn't happen. I said, yes, you did. You told me this dozens of times this couldn't happen. You put my life at risk with inaccurate information, and I was just absolutely astonished and angry. And I found out later that the Centers for Disease Control had known for three years since 1984 of two nurses who had gotten AIDS from needle sticks, and they withheld that not only from healthcare workers but from the public for three full years. Now, this is negligence. This is at least uh, a voluntary manslaughter, if not premeditated murder, for the CDC to withhold this information from healthcare workers. Basically, then, I would say for all of those of us who have who have heard the indoctrinating lines of uh, the federal government, the CDC, uh, the uh, talking heads on the news media, basically they are not telling us the truth. The entire population is at risk. Well, first of all, if it's hard for the public to believe that the Centers for Disease Control is not telling the truth, just think, they're part of the government. When's the last time the government told us the truth about anything? Did they tell us the truth about Watergate? Did they tell us the truth about the savings and loan fiasco? Did they tell us the truth about the BCCI scandal? Did they tell us the truth about the John F. Kennedy assassination? They haven't told us the truth about anything. 
Why should they tell us the truth about this when it would upset society a great deal, when it would cost a lot of money to fix this, although not nearly as much money to fix it now as if they try a few years from now to fix it? Um, it costs $100,000 to take care of each AIDS patient from the time they get sick till they die. If you started massive testing of the whole population, it only costs $4 for a single test uh, for AIDS, and they would be able to know who's infected to stop those people from transmitting it to other people. The only way you get a disease under control is to know who has the disease. Let me ask you, uh, we also have uh, an epidemic of tuberculosis in this country. The CDC admits that, and partly it's because AIDS patients, because of their suppressed immune system, are very susceptible to, to tuberculosis. And they have this terrible form called multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, which not only is 90%, up to 90% fatal, there are no antibiotics to treat it, and it can be transmitted to other healthy people. And it's being transmitted to not only patient, other patients in the hospital who don't have HIV and who do have HIV, and uh, healthcare workers and uh, other people in prisons and the guards in prison uh, that are taking care of the prisoners. So it's being transmitted very readily. It's transmitted by coughing, sneezing, and breathing, and it's very dangerous. Well, what if I said to you, it's your job to get the tuberculosis epidemic under control, but you have the following restrictions. Number one, you can't know who has tuberculosis. Number two, you can't test anybody to find out. Number three, if you accidentally find out someone has tuberculosis, you can't tell anybody. You can't tell their husband, their wife, uh, any members of their family, the people they work with. You can't tell uh, their doctor or their nurse, and you can't tell the public health authorities, even though doctors are mandated to tell about, um, to report measles, mumps, chicken pox, hepatitis, and all these other contagious diseases. But if I said that to you about tuberculosis and yet I told you it was your job to get it under control, you'd tell me I was crazy. Absolutely. And you'd be right. Uh, but that is exactly the policy the government is pursuing for the so-called control of the AIDS epidemic. No widespread testing. Nobody has to tell. Uh, HIV infection is not report mandated to be reported to the uh, public health authorities in any state. In any state, a doc, in most states, something like 23 states, a doctor is allowed to report it to the public health authorities uh, without penalty, but they are not mandated as they are in other diseases. So doctors are not reporting it. You can't get an epidemic under control if you don't know who has the disease. Well, let's see now. If, only, if in 27 states uh, they're allowed to, what about the rest of the states? What about the other 23? They're not allowed to report it? As far as I know, they're not allowed to report HIV infection. All states report, report AIDS, but that is the terminal state of HIV infection. You can be infected with HIV for 7 to 10 years, and you are contagious to everybody else through your blood and body fluids, but they're not reported until they get sick, and that's the last year and a half of their life. So in other words, about the time they're too sick to be out and about and infecting people is when you can report that they've got the disease. Before that, while they're out mingling with society, uh, having sex, uh, whatever it might be, handling food or whatever, then you can't report them. You can't report them until they're in a position where they can't do any more damage. You're absolutely right. Uh, Dr. Day, does that sound just a little bit insane or, or schizophrenic to you? not only insane and schizophrenic, it's downright stupid. And what it is, it almost looks like it's population control by the government. That's the question really, I wanted to get to next. Well, what you have to really uh, realize is the government does not care if you or I live or die. 
That's a that's a hard statement, and I, I think we, we need to stop and, and let people sink that in a little bit. The government of the United States, because it is so far removed now, because it is no longer we the people, but they the bureaucrats, they frankly could care less about you and me. They've proven that with everything they have done. And AIDS and their handling of AIDS is yet uh, another bit of evidence in that long history over the last 30 years, isn't it? Well, the politicians actually have contempt for the people. They have absolute contempt for the people. When they talk among themselves, they talk about us with, with great uh, contempt. Uh, because, you see, we, the people, do not really elect them anymore. The special interest groups elect them because they provide enormous amounts of money and uh, they allow, they provide it to allow propagandizement of the people to try to sway public opinion. You'll notice in the paper when they're talking about politicians who won or lost a race, particularly if they lost, they never talk about, well, maybe the public realized they were dishonest. It's always, well, they didn't have a good enough PR man for their image. Uh -huh. So nobody, no politician is even interested in projecting an image, uh, a real image of um, truthfulness. It's only what can we make the people perceive that we're all about. Yeah, it's all it's all media spin. But you, right. you you brought up a, you touched on a point, and I want to come back to it. The government of the United States, because it is so far removed now, because it is no longer we the people, but they the bureaucrats. They frankly could care less about you and me. They've proven that with everything they have done. And AIDS and their handling of AIDS is yet uh, another bit of evidence in that long history over the last 30 years, isn't it? Well, the politicians actually have contempt for the people. They have absolute contempt for the people. When they talk among themselves, they talk about us with, with great uh, contempt. Uh, because, you see, we, the people do not really elect them anymore. The special interest groups elect them because they provide enormous amounts of money and uh, they, allow, they provide it to allow propagandizement of the people to try to sway public opinion. You'll notice in the paper when they're talking about politicians who won or lost a race, particularly if they lost, they never talk about, well, maybe the public realized they were dishonest. It's always well, they didn't have a good enough PR man for their image. Uh -huh. So nobody, no politician is even interested in projecting an image, uh, a real image of um, truthfulness. It's only what can we make the people perceive that we're all about. Yeah, it's all, it's all media spin. But you, right. you, you brought up, a, you touched on a point, and I want to come back to it. Population control on population elimination. It has been rumored for some time. I have read the reports, uh, report uh, who killed Africa, uh, and I've, I've got 20 other ones just like it sitting on my desks and in my, my uh, research files as concerns AIDS, that, uh, that AIDS is one of the most effective population controls that the world has ever known. Well, Let's... that's right, but if you, if you look at the, the policies of the government, you will see that there are a lot of policies that promote... Uh, population control. One is uh, the government is very anxious, at least this government, to promote abortion. Abortion is population control. Uh, they are very anxious, uh, it seems, that this administration to promote homosexuality. 
homosexuality is population control. Uh, AIDS, they're doing nothing to stop you or me from getting uh, uh, infected with AIDS. That is population control. The fewer people that live to be old, the fewer people they have to worry about taking care of with Medicare, with Medi-Cal, with Social Security, uh, they, the fewer people they have to worry about for environmental pollution and all of these things. Uh, so I can't tell you that that is the actual uh, government's plan, but there is a lot of evidence to suggest that it is. And certainly it's just like uh, uh, if you tell parents when they're raising their children, you better, uh, the par- children will do what you do, not what you say. So I don't care what the government says. You have to look at what they're doing. And what they're doing is promoting population control. Yeah, and in fact, interestingly, I, I just um, uh, recorded uh, a, a tape called Deifying Democracy, in, in which I, I talked about, have you ever noticed that, that humanistic law always centers itself around death as opposed to life? And I think we're seeing that again here. We need to go back just a little bit, and I want to start doing this now before we get too far into the into this session because I, I really think this is important. Let's go back and, and talk about a couple of key issues. First of all, where did AIDS come from? How did this thing come about? We didn't have AIDS, and then all of a sudden we did have AIDS. Well, it's not clear where it came from, uh, but if you look at the circumstantial evidence, you have to think about this. Number one, AIDS suddenly appeared pretty much all over the world at once, within a very short period of time. Just within a couple of years, AIDS appeared in almost every country. Uh, It would be difficult for it to do that if it arose de novo or like a new virus in nature someplace. It would take a long time for it to spread all over the world, but it arose almost everywhere at once. That's number one. Number two, the government's version is that a green monkey in Africa bit some uh, person out in the jungle, and that's the way it started. Well, again, if you started it with one person like that, it would take a very long time to get around to the whole world. Number two is that AIDS in Africa did not start in the jungles or the rural areas. It started in the cities, just the way it started in the cities in America. So that doesn't hold water. Number three is that the government keeps telling us that AIDS cannot be transmitted from uh, animals to man because there's been a lot of concern about the feline leukemia virus, which is the AIDS virus in cats. The government says that people are no risk from cats because it cannot be transmitted across species barriers. Well, then, if they say that, how did they how do they propose that a monkey bit a human and they got it because that's across species barriers? In fact, we do know that it can cross species barriers because just recently. The Centers for Disease Control has reported two laboratory workers who uh, were uh, have been infected with the simian immunodeficiency virus, the monkey virus. So it can cross species barriers, but that does not appear to be the way it started. Also, uh, from studies of uh, blood that was kept for years from hepatitis studies in Africa, they've been unable to find the HIV virus in any of that blood before the earlier mid-70s. Not only that, there's a lot of evidence that the monkeys in Africa became infected with the AIDS virus after the people became infected. Now, how could that occur? I doubt that the people bit the monkeys. But you have to realize that there was a lot of uh, 
experimental work done on monkeys with HIV after people became infected, and there is not proper documentation on what happened to all of these monkeys after they were experimented on. There's some evidence that they were returned to the jungle after they were infected. And so therefore, you would find monkeys infected with the, uh, the simian immunodeficiency virus uh, after people were infected with HIV because of the experimentation on them. Not only that, uh, there is some evidence that the uh, HIV virus may have been produced in a laboratory, whether it was a government or a private laboratory, and either purposely or accidentally taken to Central Africa with the smallpox vaccination program in the early and mid-70s. Why do we think that, that that vaccination program was done by the World Health Organization? First of all, they picked Central Africa because at that time Central Africa was not a part of the United Nations, and so they could not resist being experimented on uh, with these new vaccines. Number two, um, if you take the AIDS map of Central Africa, where the, the highest uh, concentration of AIDS is in uh, such uh, countries as Zaire and Uganda and various places like that, you can superimpose the AIDS map almost identically on the smallpox vaccination program in the early and mid-70s. So the outbreak of AIDS coincides with where they did the smallpox vaccinations in Africa. Uh, so another thing is that a number, a very large number of Haitians were in Central Africa uh, doing government work during the period of time of the smallpox vaccination program, and they got vaccinated. Then they went back to Haiti, and this could have been the reason that Haiti is so filled with AIDS. And then the homosexuals in America used Haiti as their sexual playground and could have gotten infected by going over there and brought it back to this country. So that's a plausible explanation on how it happened. Not only that, I have a document from the government printing office. It's entitled HB 15090, called House Bill 15090. It is a uh, the minutes of a meeting of the Subcommittee on Defense Appropriations of the government, and the meeting was held July 1, 1969, where the House of Representatives members are interviewing a doctor named Dr. MacArthur. They ask him if it would be possible now, again, this is July 1, 1969. They say, would it be possible to produce an organism that has never been produced before, that does not exist, that would wipe out the immune system of a human being? And he responds, yes, it would be possible. And they said, are you working on this? And he said, well, no, we're not. And they say, why not? Uh, no interest or no money? And he says, well, certainly not because we're not interested. So they asked him to go away and come back and tell, tell the committee how much time it would take and how much money it would cost to produce this kind of microorganism that would wipe out a person's immune system. He came back and said it would take about uh, six years and, and about $10 million. And so down at the bottom of this sheet it says, we realize that there are those who think we should not pursue this research let it, lest it lead to yet another method of massive killing of large populations. So our government was involved in at least discussing the production of a microorganism that is identical to the AIDS virus. I cannot say they did it. Nobody can confirm that they did it. Of course, uh, if they did it, those uh, documents would certainly be top secret documents. 
but the circumstantial evidence suggests that it could have been accidentally or purposely produced by either a government or a private laboratory. This is truly shocking information. It's it's the kind of thing that, that I guess those who are in my position have come to expect, although it, it, it frankly, it sends a shiver down your spine every time you read and, and hear one of these things. Well, the government hasn't been experimenting on its citizens for, for, for many decades. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Tuskegee syphilis study, the public health department uh, back in the uh, late 30s and early 40s uh, decided that they wanted to study the uh, terminal aspects of syphilis more closely, so they decided to recruit 400 black men. And by the way, this is documented in the American Journal of Public Health, a very orthodox medical journal. And they recruited 400 black men who had syphilis, and they withheld treatment for them to watch them die because they wanted to learn more about the terminal stages of syphilis. Now, this is outrageous negligence. This is murder because not only were they dying, they were giving it to their wives and, and having children born with syphilis during all this time when there was treatment for syphilis. And even when penicillin became available in the 40s, uh, they still continued to withhold treatment when a shot of penicillin could have cured them. In 1960s, uh, these same public health doctors got together. By that time, 275 of these black men had already died of syphilis. 125 were still surviving. They made the decision to continue withholding treatment to watch the other 125 die. Uh, and until a journalist got a hold of the information and started exposing it, then the final, finally the public health doctors uh, discontinued the study when they were about to be exposed to the public. But the government has been doing this. There was an organism, a bacterial organism, that was sprayed into the San Francisco Bay in the early 60s, uh, and we had all sorts of terrible uh, infections because of this. A lot of elderly people died because of this microorganism. The government now admits that they sprayed it there because they wanted to see what would happen. Uh, and so all of these people died, and, and San Francisco and the uh, surrounding area had something like a hundred times the number of these infections as any place else in the country. And then when somebody started investigating it, they found out that the government had purposely sprayed the bacteria all over San Francisco Bay. Uh, so the government has been experimenting on its citizens for many, many years. Uh, the Agent Orange business is more experimentation. Now we have information from uh, Desert Storm where the government used uranium um, uh, uh, firepower to destroy Iraqi tanks and then sent in American soldiers, both men and women, to investigate these areas and look for anybody who was uh, a remaining enemy there. And these people all got exposed to the radioactivity and now are sick and dying of a terrible disease. And the government says, oh, this is nothing. It's all in their heads. I mean, this is experimentation on our uh, military troops, experimentation on the private citizens. So this has been going on for a long time. AIDS, in fact, is probably the biggest uh, experiment ever done on any population in the world by its government. If the government didn't start it, they're certainly experimenting on us now by allowing it to continue. And I guess what's particularly annoying about it is that to continue the experiment, we've come up with the propaganda lines. I want to switch subjects j just a little bit. I want to ask you in a minute uh, how AIDS can be spread, but I want to share a, a short piece from 
a uh, newsletter that I receive. It's the Goodlow Report out of uh, Washington. Retired Supreme Court Justice William C. Goodlow um, made an interesting analysis in his newsletter, the Goodlow Report. The article was entitled The Poison Fish. Goodlow said, when the Seattle School Board decided to give free condoms to school children, it reminded me of the poison fish that the bishops sent to a starving Joan of Arc in her prison cell. Under the excuse, they'll have sex anyway, so why not protect them with free condoms? They are creating great mischief. Condoms don't work. The real irony is that so many supposedly intelligent adults in charge of our children's health are being led by a very beguiling and charming Dr. Bob Wood, King County AIDS Control Officer, and governor and the governor's advisory committee uh, excuse me advisor to governor mike lowry and seattle mayor norm rice he is also chairman of the governor's advisory commission on aids prevention dr bob as he is known to his friends proclaimed this week that the federal drug administration is now insisting that condoms be labeled as protection against hiv and other sexually transmitted diseases over his seal of approval, both AIDS prevention curriculum for Washington schools tells the children that if used properly and consistently, they can achieve nearly 100% protection. Many in our state, like the Pied Piper, consider Dr. Bob to be the expert on the use and effectiveness of condoms and follow his, quote, state-of-the-art, in quote, agenda wherever it takes them and also the children. Dr. Bob announced recently that he had contracted HIV. Dr. Bob is a homosexual. Let's talk about safe sex, Dr. Day. Well, first of all, let's talk about who's giving out the information. As, as you were telling me this, I knew that Dr. Bob was a homosexual. Uh, those are the main people that are in control of all the AIDS information in the country. You should know that approximately 25% of the uh, employees of the Centers for Disease Control are openly homosexual men. Uh, you should know that almost every AIDS hotline in this country is controlled by the homosexuals, including the CDC AIDS hotline. It is not run by the CDC. It is contracted out to a gay agency. The homosexuals are on all the committees of the public schools. They are controlling all of the AIDS information. And what they want to tell the children is it doesn't matter how many sexual partners you have, just use a condom. Now, you don't have to be an expert to know that this is a deliberate lie. Uh, ask the women of America uh, how, how uh, protective condoms are for pregnancy. It's almost the worst form of birth control, even if used properly. Condoms used properly and regularly will still allow women to get pregnant 12 to 14 percent of the time. And women can only get pregnant three or four days a month. You can get AIDS or transmit AIDS every day of the month. So you have to take the figure of 14% and double, triple, or quadruple it for the transmission of AIDS. Not only that, a recent article published in a medical journal called Sexually Transmitted Diseases, published by, and get this, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, a governmental agency, they did a study on condoms where they took a number of different brands of latex condoms put them over an artificial penis, and measured how often the HIV would come through. Now, this was published in the July-August issue in 1992 of the journal Sexually Transmitted Diseases. When they did it that way, they found out that latex condoms allowed HIV to come through 33% of the condoms, and that's if you didn't move. The study was done without motion. That's government sex, sex without motion. So here, if you don't move, if you have sex and wear a condom and you don't move, the HIV will come through only 33% of the time. I say, heaven help you if you move. 
Yes, if it's enjoyable at all, your your chances are probably uh... greater than fifty percent. And this is genocide. This is again population control. They're killing our children. They're killing our adolescents. And people who say, well, kids are going to have sex anyway. Why not give them some condoms that may protect them some? Why do why do we say that about sex? We don't say that about drugs. We don't say, well. Some kids are going to use drugs anyway, so why don't we give all the kids cocaine and a straw so they can sniff it at school? Maybe they won't shoot hard drugs after school. We don't have an alcohol program that says, well, some kids are going to drink anyway, so why don't we serve beer in all the high school cafeterias and maybe they won't drink whiskey after school? Well, that we would be ridiculous, too, as, as, as saying, well, some kids are going to commit suicide, so let's give them all a loaded gun right. and hope for the best. We're, we're just... Uh, coming down to the last couple of minutes that we have here, and I, I wanted to hit one last topic with you, and that maybe is probably, I should tell them. Are you going to tell them how we can get how they can get the book? Why don't you do that now? But we're also going to put it at the end of the tape so all that right. all those interested can get it. But your eight hundred number is right one eight hundred five seven four two four three seven. Let me just check that again. Five one eight hundred five seven four two four three seven. Now, there are not only the book AIDS, what the government isn't telling you, which is fully referenced, but there are videos, there are newsletters specifically for healthcare worker safety, and there's a book there called Doctors of Deceit in the AIDS Epidemic, written by Gus Sermos, a former uh, AIDS researcher for the Centers for Disease Control. He documents from the inside the total corruption of the Centers for Disease Control. So all of these things are available through that 800 number. And, and we want to hit that again. At the end of this tape, you'll receive information on how to order uh, Dr. Lorraine Day's newest book, AIDS, What the Government Isn't Telling You, uh, censored information, if you will. One last question. We've got less than a minute left. Should HIV-positive people be quarantined? Uh, HIV-positive people who are not putting other people at risk and who are uh, uh, being responsible do not need to be quarantined. But anybody who is putting anybody else at risk should not be allowed to do that. You can call it quarantine, you can call it jail, you can call it detention, whatever you want. If there's somebody out in the middle of the street shooting people with a gun, you would not allow that. But yet the government allows people with a known fatal disease to transmit it to anybody that they wish. The things that have to go into that, however, is the government is not investigating all methods of transmission. They are telling the people it can't be transmitted in a number of ways, which it can be transmitted. So first of all, we have to have all the information on how it can be transmitted. Then the people who are acting responsibly and not putting others at risk do not need to be quarantined. But the people who are putting others at risk must be put away. Dr. Day, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and, and sharing this time with us. Thank you very much for having me. I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, we are out of time. These materials, my friends, are very important. You need to get your hands on them. You need to find out what's going on. Do not believe what you hear in the media. Do not believe what you hear in, in, in from the government reports. This is serious business. You need to get this information, and I am happy that we have had a chance to bring you information on what is arguably one of the most unpopular subjects in the country. Stay around, get informed, know what's going on.